Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. You're now listening to the Middleman Radio. This is the Middleman Talk Show. This is your boy Al, and this is Kevin. Oh, this is Jen. This is me. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, like, I was trying to make you feel Hold on, I'm about to go down. Uh, hold up, hold up. I, I got to get into both of them. Hold on, let me let me find it right man, quick. We got so many clips today for it. Oh, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's somewhere in here. Here it go. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, one, one for you too, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, that's what I get for trying to be polite. Well, wow. I always let Jen go first, and she always does this. Jen, I love you, but you never want to go first. She go. Well, you know, I'm the only lady on here, so you know it is called the middle men. So you know, I try to, you know, you know, what do y'all always say? You know, I try to be the lady and kind of know my position in like the group or whatever, what? and then look, see, oh, until I kind of try to play the I, role, I then y'all think, don't. I don't want. think nobody on this show has ever said that, Jen. I mean, no. Exactly. Where could you have gotten that from, Jen? <laughs> all of the subliminal messages that y'all come out with in all your misogynistic shows. And if you haven't listened to mm. go back and rewind everybody and go down the history of wow. the middleman and the misogynistic history of the show. Uh, so you've been hanging around them groups lately, huh? No, but I am feeling a little group. woman empowered today. I know. I know. All right, all right. Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. No, but we will talk about that. No, I'm I'm not a, a Elizabeth Warren fan, but I hopefully we'll get to that today. <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. We definitely have uh, some things which we want to discuss uh, on today's show. It's a lot of things that happened this week, um, definitely with. The Gail King is Snoop Dogg controversy. We definitely got to dive into that. The respect and the lack of respect amongst that. Uh, the carnivores virus, virus that has uh, surpassed the SARS epidemic. Uh, we definitely want to dive into that. The black Republican support for Donald Trump. And the Republican senators' un, um, undying support of the Republican establishment and the fear of the propaganda machine. Um, as you all know, about the Trump acquittal, but we definitely want to dive into that. And in Mississippi, the the, the highest, um, excuse me, the largest embezzlement case um, in Mississippi, we're going to dive into that. And we want to hear your opinion of how you feel about these particular topics. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, about to go down. Hey, you almost caught that sound there for a second, too, man. Hey man, hold, hold up, man. I'm trying to read and talk and read other things as well too. My bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good, man. We 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 got love for you, man. Matter of fact, <laughs> man, yeah. we we didn't start off correct, man. Um, happy Black History Month to everybody. If you was a Facebook friend yeah, of mine yeah. on. Facebook, you would have saw my grand entry 
to this particular month. I had to do with the Django with the whip scene in mm-hmm. Women Black History. The, the D Love is it. silent. It's Django. What? I, my people, my people. <laughs> uh, can, can I say on that? So this, so you know, I've heard some, some. You know, I try to expose my children to Black History. So in the theme of Black History, this, um, this early this afternoon. Me and my son watched Harriet. Um, I had saw some reviews, but I wanted to see it for myself. Uh, I did not like it. I know, like, you know, we have got to start holding Hollywood accountable about telling our story in their way. Uh, And I was very disappointed. And I was disappointed in myself for letting him see it because then I had to have a history lesson and backstory about falsehoods in the movie, um, but mm-hmm. it definitely opened up a conversation mm-hmm. um, with my son that I was pleased that we could have about our history. But I think, you know, we as a people definitely have to be cautious of who tells our story. That's definitely important because our story has been told by others for over hundreds of years. I mean, thousands of years, but yes. Yeah. Mm. Just like they said they were Egyptians. Yep. Say that one more time. I said it just like they said they were Egyptians. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, Remember, yeah, but I mean, oh, I, I don't know. have you guys seen the movie? Al G, have what, you guys seen uh, the movie? What's Harry? You talking about uh, Harry? Harry, yeah. I refuse to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It's completely – it's definitely a conversation piece beforehand if you're going to watch it with your children, just like Jen says. Um, my oldest daughter wanted to go see it, see it, and I was like, okay, let me watch this first before we go see it together because – and I'm glad that I did because they, they kind of neutered her legacy on that. Like, And I know there was some other backlash about Harriet prior to it being released, but you know, I've always felt like backlash aside, a strong movie – you know, can cure all that backlash. It's similar to the the backlash with um, Birth of a Nation, and he came with a strong movie. Yeah. That wasn't the case with Harriet. So I would say if you've not seen this movie with your – if you want to watch something that's a slavery piece that's fiction and that's still a, a pretty decent piece, I would say The Book of Negroes before I would say Harriet because what yeah, is at theaters say. now is completely, completely fiction. It's just it's it's ridiculous. So just want right. to put that out there. Yeah, or a classic Roots. You can't go wrong. You know, you can't go wrong with Roots. I I just right. you know there are a lot of fictional just made up things uh, in the story mm-hmm. that bothered me, uh, and that you know, and then I found myself having to explain that was made up, and for like a seven eight year old child who's just learning our history and learning history, I think that's, you know, that's confusing in itself. So, um, yeah, let's let's watch the stories that are told about us. Absolutely. Well. All right, Kevin. All right, let's get to the topic uh, of the day, man. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into uh, our first clip of the day. We're going to um, go into uh, Gail King and Snoop Dogg. Uh, the last episode of the day has been a hot uh, controversy between these two um, due to the interview with Gail King and Lisa Leslie. Uh, kind of pissed a lot of people off um, of what she brought up. Uh, some of our stars out there have went to social media and expressed their concerns and thoughts. And so we do have a few clips that we want to play on this particular matter. I am um, just setting this up. We're going to go to the Gail King interview uh, with Leslie, Lisa Leslie. Um, and then right after that, we're going to follow it up with Snoop Dogg's reaction. And then a lot of people didn't even realize Lil Boosie had a reaction to it. So we're going to go uh, to Gail King first. Here she is. It's been said that his legacy is complicated because of the sexual assault charge, which was dismissed in 2003, 2004. Is it complicated for you as a woman as a WNBA player? 
It's not complicated for me at all. Even if there's a few times that we've been at a club at the same time, Kobe's not the kind of guy, never been like, you know, go get that girl or tell her or send her this. I have other NBA friends that are like that. Mm-hmm. Kobe's, he, he was never like that. I just never see, have ever seen him being the kind of person that would be, do something to violate a woman or be aggressive in that way. I, that's just not the person that I know. At least you wouldn't see it though. As his friend, you wouldn't see it. And that's possible. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just, I just don't, I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying things didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe that things didn't happen with force. Is it even a fair question to talk about it, considering he's no longer with us and that it was resolved? Or is it really part of his history? I think that the media should be more respectful. Um, at this time, it, it's like if you had questions about it, you've had many years to ask him that. I don't think it's something that we should keep hanging over his legacy. I mean, he went to, it went to trial. Yeah, with the cases, it was dismissed because the victim in the case refused to testify, so it was dismissed. And I think that that's how we should leave it. All right, um, that was the Gail King interview with Lisa Leslie. Now we're going to get into the reaction yep. of Snoop Dogg. Let's go right to Snoop Dogg. Gail King, out of pocket for that. Way out of pocket. What do you gain from that? I swear to God, we the worst. We the worst. We expect more from you, Gail. Don't you hang out with Oprah? Why are y'all attacking us? We your people. You ain't coming after me. Up to Harvey Weinstein asking them dumb ass questions. I get sick of y'all. I want to call you one. Is it okay if I call her one? Funky dog head. Shit. How dare you try to torch my motherfucking up homeboy's reputation, punk motherfucker. Respect the family and back off. Shit. Before we come get you. All right, that was Snoop Dogg's yeah. reaction to that interview. Now, here's little Boosie. Gail King, why the fuck would you ask some shit, y'all? I don't give a fuck who friend it is. I don't give a fuck who can Obama. Uh-oh. Why the fuck would you do something like that? Why would you do that to your people? You know what people are going through, right? Why would you ask some fucking question like this, trying to turn in somebody's image? You do that to your own black people. You say it. I'm finna fire your ass up. You say it, bro. People be talking, black people need to stop fucking trying to hurt black people for success. So all the reason you act that fucking shit is to get your fucking numbers up. Give a fuck who you can too. And that was Lil Boosie with his yeah. response. Uh, man, just just looking at the internet, I am G and Nick. Yeah. A lot of people. There was a lot of different opinions when it came to this particular topic, and just the whole situation with Gail. Um, I mean, we can frame it one way and just say okay, we got a right to be upset for what they said and what she said or whatever the case may be. But I still, I, I want to play the devil's advocate today. Where is all this energy, as we say nowadays, when Trayvon mm-hmm. Martin got killed and George Zimmerman is still walking around? Where is all this energy when these police officers and, and people in our own community are killing our own? Where is that energy? I think I mean, that, just in my opinion, I, I think that, um, you know, we expect more from our people. Like, you expect more from me than you would a stranger. And, you know, black people are a community, or many of us view ourselves as a community, a family. Like, this unspoken you know, you see a black person in a store, you pass it in the street, and you nod at them. It's this unspoken family community that we are. And when you have one of, you know, I expect a stranger might get me, but one of my own, when they do it to me, it's different. And I, I, was, I was okay with her question until she went further. 
until she said, well, that was it. You know, he wouldn't do that with you. Like, like, why did you have to probe it and set it up in this Me Too environment like, you know, there was something there of a crime that he was acquitted of, if you want to be truthful. And then second of all, I think it speaks volumes. There was a um, a clip, I wish we would have played it, from, um, I think, Daily News. Um, it was a young lady mm-hmm. on there talking about it goes to the effect that there's two Americas. There's a black America and a white America. And black America teaches its sons to be cautious of those type situations. We teach our sons about Emmett Till. And when we have the Kobe type situations, we're very protective when someone escapes that situation and their lives aren't ruined. And then you have white America who villainizes a lot of time black men and, you know, the angry black man that wants to rape all white women. And it brings up, you know, these type of conversations bring back to the forefront those feelings. Uh, and and right. it's a very difficult conversation to have. So um, <clears throat> what I got from the portion of it as well, too, I didn't agree with adding it in, into the interview. You know, that could, that, that could have been saved for later um, or for something else. Um, even with her saying that, you know, CBS you know, decided to air that particular clip. My thing is, in my mind, when I'm creating my questions, do I want to dive into something that will change the feeling of that particular interview? Because when she asked those particular questions, that changed the whole feeling of the, of the rest of the interview. Like, this is what's up. So, um, I see we got a caller. Kevin, would you go ahead and take the call? Nas from, All right, uh, caller Nas calling from the ATL. You live with the middleman. What's you- up? What's up, y'all? What's going How on, bro? Doing? Hey, what's going on? Oh, oh man, good, we man. well. Thanks for asking. For sure. Good to hear, man. But, yeah, man, like, this thing, like, of course, it's overblown no matter what. But, look, man, I, I don't want Snoop or, or Boosie to be advocates for anything. Like, that's not who I'm going to. Like, what I want to hear is, like, okay, who's, whose opinion matters on this? This is that old Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. thing. Uh, what does Ja Rule think? Like, I'm good on that. If you want to criticize her, right. criticize yeah. her for her work. Criticize her as a bad broadcaster. Criticize her for getting into something that was trashy in the way that she framed the question from a, a friend of Kobe's, Lisa Lisa Leslie, who she knew would take it a certain way, but she wanted that moment on camera. So yes, she did it for ratings. Yes, it was it was uh, right. underhand, halfway raggedy, but. When you criticize her, don't start calling her the B-word, saying all this other stuff. And then people start getting into some, oh, we are worst enemy. We this, we that. Like, like, look, man, if we are real serious about who we are in this country, if we're talking about the upper class of black America, they really don't have much to do with normal, everyday, working class black folk. Our sentiments are Mm -hmm. different. Our ideas about the world are different. Who we cater Mm -hmm. to is different. Dude, the majority of us go, oh, I got to get home. I got to watch Gail King. No. The majority of us ain't checking for Gail King like that. So uh, right. uh, it's not surprising to me to see her try to, you know, basically uh, bow to white America in a degree and saying, okay, we're celebrating them, but we also have to bring this up. It's like, wait a minute. I was alive when Reagan, uh, when they did Reagan's funeral, when they did the Bush uh, funeral. Did they bring up the people that they killed or anything like that, foreign policy thing? No. They said, be quiet. This was a great man. Celebrated this, you know, this, that, and the third. So when it comes to us, all of a sudden you want a full spectrum. For an athlete, how many people does an athlete affect? How many people does a president affect? So we talk about this in a real way. This is just trash TV, trash journalism. Gail King should have been embarrassed just for even, like, look, if, if you're going to do something like that, this is what you do. You go in the green room before the show and say, look, I want to talk to you about Kobe. Are you comfortable if we take it to this place? You see what I'm saying? But it didn't look like Gail did. Right. It looked like she brought it out cold, trying to surprise her, like she probably said we'll bring up Kobe, but she didn't say we dive in depth like that. And you know how these people work, man. I wouldn't be surprised if she was smiling in uh, R. Kelly's face in that green room before she got him on camera and shut him down. And not that I'm comparing the two things because R. Kelly got what he deserved, but she was she she really ate well off that performance with R. Kelly, and I think that's kind of driven her to say, okay, I need to be controversial. <laughs> Time to go viral. Time right. to do this. But right. I just wanted right. to weigh I, in on I, that, I, man. I, I, right. 
I agree with that last comment as far as like when you brought up, you know, the interview with uh, her and R. Kelly. She did, you know, come off with a little bit more steam, you know, of, of uh, publicity of how she handled herself. So I felt like maybe, you know, her throwing that out there again felt like, well, hey, you know, my supporters will still uh, somewhat listen to what I got to say. And even if I do throw these questions out there, they still support me. But this particular time, uh, it did trigger uh, some people the wrong way. Uh, some people, like Gia said, didn't feel. Um, uh, like her question was um, wrong, but I felt like the manner of what she did in the interview and how she placed it was definitely wrong, and I felt like it didn't need to go there to, to that point. But we definitely thank you for your comment, uh, Brother Nas. Definitely want to let, let you all know the phone lines are open. Uh, the number is 516 387 1542. If you want to get, get in on the middleman. Um, we definitely want to hear your opinions about this. Um, this is still a trending topic, um, as we see. Uh, Susan Rice also had some words for Snoop Dogg as well, too, um, who uh, worked for the uh, Obama administration as well. And so pretty much this told Snoop to stand out, you know. And so did we feel like um, when Snoop came back and, and immediately apologized, you know, after some of his comments, uh, with Susan Rice, um, when people make comments like that, and then all of a sudden they have to apologize, is this something that you know we feel like always has to be done, or can just people just stand on their own ten toes of what they say? Because as we see in in news with President Trump, he doesn't go back and apologize for anything that he said. So why should some of our people have to do that? Well, why are we elevating Snoop in that particular fashion, to, to, to Brother Nas's point? Uh, it, it's two quick things I want to say on this. Uh, the first, while I don't necessarily agree that um, Snoop should have quote-unquote threatened her, even though I don't think mm-hmm. it was as serious as a lot of people have made it out to be, I do think it's a right. situation where we place this priority on Gail King as if she's the new Barbara Walters, and it's only because of her association with Oprah Winfrey. Winfrey. It's a couple things Mm -hmm. that people have been saying online when it comes to Gail King. Like one saying that she didn't give Harvey Weinstein that same energy. I do want to push back on that a little bit because of the fact that she did interview, I want to say it was uh, someone close to Weinstein, but Weinstein has refused to do any interviews. However, because you cannot bring up Gail King's career without bringing up Oprah. My question is this. When you look at the R. Kelly situation, which I'm definitely not defending R. Kelly, but R. Kelly Mm -hmm. interview with Lisa Leslie when she referenced Kobe, and then when you look at what Oprah has done in terms of this Neverland documentary and this Simmons documentary and all these things, why would someone that is connected to someone with so much power or someone themselves who has that power and her own network, have they not done a, a, a documentary about Weinstein? Have they not done a, a documentary about Louis C.K.? Have they not done a documentary about the millions and millions of predators in this country, the That's history correct. of the country, that have gone against women, gone against people of color, gone against children, the whole night? You don't get that. What I will say when it comes to it, and I'll just, I'll just wrap this up, and this is kind of piggybacking off of what Jen said earlier. Eddie Griffin said this a long time ago. As a black man in any type of entertainment, you are not going to leave without some type of scarring. You're just not. If you Hmm. look at it, every high profile, there's some type of scarring. They, 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 They have to leave some type of mark on you. No matter how great, no matter how phenomenal you are, they've got to leave. So you do not leave unscathed. And that's something that we have to look at because at the end of the day, they're still media. I agree, I agree with Brother Nas. She's trying to get that other viral moment like she did with R. Kelly. And that's how we just have to take it. All kinfolk and kinfolk. That's what it is. <laughs> so we're going to dive into our next topic, man. That was a great discussion on uh, Gail King's new dog. If you have any other comments about that particular topic, please go to our Facebook page on the Middleman Talk Show and place your comment there. Uh, but we're going to move on to uh, the Black Republican support for Donald Trump. Um, as we saw this week, you know, the Senate voted to acquit Donald Trump on all charges uh, in relation to the impeachment hearings. Um, 
<laughs> and of course, Trump batted around with enjoyment, holding up newspapers uh, at a Sunday uh, prep breakfast of his acquittal. And so um, we have some clips in which we want to dive into the mindset of black Republicans who support Donald Trump. Uh, Kevin, can we get those low? All right, this is the black voters uh, that support Trump's. Uh, this is courtesy of CNN. Here we go. Show of hands, who voted for Donald Trump in 2016? Two. So let me focus on you. Yeah, I, I am. Um, all this kind of this far left talk is kind of scaring me when it comes to the border. So let's just address the elephant in the room. You're like a young black dude with tattoos and stuff. Why do you support Donald Trump? given some of his you know, racially inflammatory rhetoric. Yeah, well, I think, so. look, I mean, I was raised in a conservative family, um, and I'm in business. I'm a business consultant, um, and business is great. I don't want to lose that, you know, and I know that, you know, a lot of the, the rhetoric that comes out of the White House um, off Twitter um, is, is concerning, um, but putting personal um, feelings aside, um, I think that we're having a great economic boom. I mean, people are risking their lives to come here. How do you size up this whole thing where, he, where, where President Trump comes out and says uh, to these women, uh, go back to whatever country you came from? I just go back to values. I value treating people with dignity. And if there's anything that is incongruent with those values, then I'm not for that. And so I'm not going to put profit over my values. You putting your profit over your values? That well, would be a yes. <laughs> Look, mm -hmm. I, I that think... That would be a yes. I think that this, this go back comment hit, hit a lot of us um, that support him. Um, it, it hit a lot of us in the gut. And I think that the president is putting a lot of us in a very precarious situation. I think the president has a base and he has a far right wing base. And there's a lot of white nationalists, a lot of racists, um, a lot of anti-Semites in that base. So what I'm going to do is I am going to have a PR strategy that is going to rile up the base. And so I feel like a lot of us feel like, wow, like where, where do we fit in, you know, anymore? Do we are we still welcome um, in this movement? Are we are people of color still welcome? So a lot of us are are still reeling from that comment. And I will tell you, a lot of my friends um, that are black conservatives, um, a lot of them have um, jumped off the Trump train. Um, they've gone over to Kamala Harris's side. They've they've gotten involved in her campaign, and also Joe Biden's. Certainly here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hmm. Nick, I know you got some, uh, something to say about yeah. this. Let me, let, me, let me throw out some stats first so we can compare yeah, numbers. Let me throw out some stats. So, um, as of right now, he is receiving 34% of black voters um, who, is in, who is potentially interested in voting for him. Now, in comparison to other candidates that is running against him, uh, Trump received 12% of the black vote against uh, Joe Biden against Senator Warren, um, he is uh, at 17% against Bernie Sanders, he is receiving 14% of the black vote. And so that's from these reports, it's 8% higher than he received in 2016 and may be enough to push him across the finish line in November. Hmm. So what do you think, Nick? Okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play devil's advocate on this because you guys know that I work in this space professionally. Um, yep. I remember uh, around 2017, a friend of mine who is a, a strategist for um, Republican candidates. Uh, he told me I was kind of reeling off of the, the election because you know you guys know I work uh, on Hillary's side in Florida during the election. He told me he said, right. you know what, Nick, if you switched over. And came out as a pro-Trump black conservative. Within a year, you will be worth three times what you're worth now. And, it, mm. and when you look at it, I'm, I three names that I want to bring up uh, that immediately kind of echo this: Candace Owens, right. Terrence K. Williams, mm -hmm. and Amarosa. Mm -hmm. Terrence K. Williams was a failed comedian that nobody knew about before he came out as a pro-Trump guy. And all of a sudden now he's got this big Twitter following and he's getting paid to go to all these different rallies and all these speaking. K. 
Candace Owens, as we know, is the media darling of uh, Prison University and, you know, just certainly pro-Trump all the way. And then we all know Omarosa. Yeah. This yeah. is the thing about it. This is all strategy. And there is money in being. Now, you're going to risk a lot of your morals depending on what side of the fence you're on. But there is money in being a black Trumper. You get invited to speak to panels. You get put on TV. You get think pieces that you've written put in major publications. It does build your profile and your money. Now, again, if you're willing to sacrifice your morals for that, then so be it. But there is money in that. So what I will say is, and this is the problem that the Democrats are having, the problem is this engagement, as disingenuous as it may be with Donald Trump, he's the only candidate that is currently actively courting the black vote. No one on the Democratic side is actively doing that right now. Save Michael Bloomberg right. and he's a late entry. Yeah, Buttigieg is, alone, he supported the black vote uh, very hard because that's that's one thing on his thing is like black people don't like him. He doesn't do well because that whole thing that happened in his town. He's going after the black people pretty hard. Yeah. He spent a million dollars in advertising with black owned and black targeted media in December alone. And I'm not talking about a million dollars with BET. I'm talking about a million dollars with smaller black-owned radio stations, a million dollars with smaller black-owned newspapers and magazines, taking out full-page ads, things that Democratic candidates right. are not doing. And, th- and people are taking notice because when you keep telling people, well, the Democrats don't care about black people, and all of a sudden, here's Trump coming in. He's spending money. He's doing ads. He's saying now when you look at his policies, his policies are completely in- antithetical. However, on the surface, he's engaging the black vote. I think it's a brilliant strategy, and I think that there's money that's in there. It's just what are you willing to sacrifice in order to get that money? That, and, and that's just, you know, it just it makes business sense. I see you. I see you. It's, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gene. <laughs> well, you know, would you, get, would you gain a whole world and lose your soul? I, I just, you yeah. know, but but I and I say this, what I think that Nick made a good point is that the Democratic Party has been so, uh, what's a, what's a good word for it? They have taken it's taken missing. advantage of the black vote for years, <laughs> and and they and they have <laughs> neglected us. They have neglected the black vote and black issues. Um, what's what's the black millionaire's black name that? And what's the black millionaire's name that owns the Weather Channel? What's his name? Uh, Byron Allen. Byron yeah, Allen. Byron Allen made a very good point. Is that we as a people did not, when Obama was president, we didn't go to him with our wants collectively and demand these things to happen, which is true. And we have right. yet to do it with Trump and have been met with deaf ears. However, if I were going to choose a side, I would not choose a side of that demonistic man. I just would not. I would not choose a side. He has had policies. He has had so many things that have hurt not only the black community, but America as a whole. You cannot, with good conscience, go over to his side. Just with sense from um, the medical industry from the EPA, which he has totally gotten rid of and acts like it doesn't, you know, environmental issues don't exist. You know, he has done things that we will feel and our children will feel for years to come to damage this country. And regardless of how I feel about the Democratic Party, the most important objective is to get him out of the White House, which I don't think will happen, but it needs to be top priority for everyone, not only black people in America. Uh, Jim, I want to add one quick thing to that. He's also trying to roll out and completely close the Minority Business Development Agency uh, and roll that budget Mm. into the overall Small Business Association. So let's also, for all you black business owners out there, realize that money, that government money that is available to you, he's trying to take that earmark and roll it back into the SBA. And we all know how that will work 
when everything is rolled into one entity. Just wanted to put that out there as well. And and what and what's so so funny is that you know they criticize Bernie Sanders for being a socialist, but in essence, you know they are capitalist socialists or populists if you, if you want to say it, where they you know. Um, all the rich people get I see business owners every day get tons and millions of dollars in tax cuts from the government, from their friends in the government. Oh, yeah. And 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 um you're right, the small business associations, they have a tax cut, you know, a lot of southerners, yeah. um, you know, to keep uh businesses in rural areas, they get billions of dollars in tax cuts every year and they keep that amongst their friends and they make billions of dollars and it's socialism for the rich. But they just don't want it for the poor or the middle class. And I think it goes back to the first topic that we were talking about. In this country, I think that classism, um, the caller, I know that he's waiting. The caller made a wonderful point that classism is so much stronger than racism. I think racism is a tool that they use to have classism, to control classism, the rich, you know, the rich versus the poor. And, you know, that's basically we're in a cold civil war of classism in this country. Yeah, most absolutely. Uh, Carlos Nas, ATL, um, you got a comment? Yeah, just uh, real quick. I'll always remember with 45, uh, his appeals to black people or when he's talking about black people, he's not actually talking to black people. He's talking to his base as a way of giving them an out when people say, hey, you, you're for that guy? That guy's racist. And they can say, oh, no, he said da-da-da-da-da. Or he made right. this particular uh, 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 intervention and in, in, uh, what's the sister's name? Alice Johnson, who got out of jail. Uh, this guy gives mm-hmm. the pardon, and he says, see? See what I do for the black? And it's like, okay, that's a singular pardon. If you want to change a system, you, you would act towards what? systemic failure within the system, which is why we have so many people incarcerated. That would be an act right. for black people. But when you act on that, that First Step Act, which only did what? Uh, address federal prisons, didn't address state state jails, where most people actually are. I think there's only like half a million people in federal prisons. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a con, but the con is easily sold to people who, and, and, I, and I, you know, I'm not going to mince words with this, We've got a lot of people who dropped out of politics 30 years ago, and they've been trying to update themselves via YouTube and via mainstream news, and it's just not enough because you miss out how we got from there to here, and somebody can slip easily passable lies by you, and you think that those lies are true. So that's the biggest issue with 45. State of the Union, that man was lying, uh, you know, 50 words a minute. He's just up there just lying. Now, But if you don't know... You would assume that what this guy is telling you is the truth. And we're in an economic period to where they say, oh, prosperous economy. And you're like, yeah, because we were in a recession. The economy was on the floor. We pumped government money into it with the Recovery Act, and now we're seeing the benefits of that. Now, it wouldn't matter who was sitting in that chair. That process would have happened. Now, he's, like, quickening the decline of that process with the deficit spending uh, with the, you know, not addressing climate change, going against EPA like the system brought up already, like all these different things he's doing, we're going to have to pay for in the long run, and the recession that comes is going to hurt a lot more for working-class people, and that's why people are interested in some of the things from the left. And, and look, I, I'm not a Dem. I'm way further to the left than the Dems are. But people have to be honest about this. As problematic as the Democratic Party is, the opposition party on the other side is why all of the wants and different things that black people have advocated for were either rolled back after the next election or were never allowed to be put in place because of the fervent, anyway. angry response right. from the right, which is the Republican Party. Right. So this whole idea that, well, you know, both of them have some bad points. No, that other party is actively against you. That's the party that's gerrymandering. Uh, your vote. That's the party that's shutting down polling places in your neighborhood to make it to where you only got one that's servicing thousands of people and people eventually get tired or have to go to work and then they don't end up uh, being able to vote. The less people that vote, especially from our community, the better for that party, meaning the Republican Party. So, I mean, we've got to, you know, lay that on the table when we address this. We can't come as if this is some kind of new thing and, eh, you know, those guys are pretty good. Those are No. We have to hold the Democratic Party into account. And by that, the sister brought it up with class. The CBC, the 
Congressional Black Caucus and some of these other groups who have gotten within the system and enjoy their place within the system and have decided the status quo is good enough, those people have to go. We have to bring more of these young people who are energized and understand the world in a way that their parents really do not. Like, look, man, people of my generation went to college for what? Half of what these kids are paying now? And and we're going to preach to these kids about what they're going through? Like... We we gotta wake up, man. Yeah, that 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 is correct, and and it's and it's our time to teach the next generation um, how to approach these things, how to research these these particular topics, so they can be fluent on all levels. Um, because they want to speak up, they want to speak out. A lot of them don't know how, but we are we are the ones that need to pass that on, so they so they can take the the baton and keep running. Um, but uh, we definitely appreciate your comment. Like you definitely hit on a lot of great points. A lot of great points. Uh, we definitely want to move into the next segment of this particular topic about Trump and his acquittal um, with the fear of the Republican Senate. So we have a a clip from uh, a Democratic senator who has spoken to a few of his Republican counterparts in reference to why they voted a certain way. Okay. I just I want to know the rest of sort of the the equation here, because if they admit and you've spoken to Republicans who admit they're they're doing this out of fear, don't they understand that they had the ability to stand up and perhaps put him in his place by standing up to him so that they wouldn't have to deal with him in the future? Well, they thanks for the question. They they have contributed to this. Trump's strength with his base. I mean, if you if you're a if you're a voter in Kentucky, you have two Republican senators. You've had a conservative governor until this year. Um, you have mostly Republican House members. You listen to Fox. You watch you watch Fox. You listen to talk radio. You never hear any criticism of the president. So it builds yeah. on itself because these Republicans don't speak up. I don't I don't think that they, they don't they don't first of all acknowledge their fear. Politicians, most politicians think we're all we all think we're more courageous probably than we are. So they don't yeah. acknowledge their voting against voting with them for fear. But I can see it. I, I go back 20 years to the Iraq war vote. I was in the House and I remember the fear that people felt that George Bush would call him un-American or soft on terror. So I've seen that play out and it usually leads to bad decisions. And I also acknowledge, as I did in the piece, that Republicans, they like the tax cuts. They like the attacks on labor rights and civil rights and, and the environment. They like the right wing young judges that, that Trump's given them. So, but they fundamentally, they, they, they know better. Most of them know better. Most of them know that Trump right. lied. And the, 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 I think the most telling part, perhaps, is that their presidential nominee from just eight years ago, um, whose faith is really important to him, as you can, if you can mm-hmm. see up close or from a distance we met, um, that none of them followed him, their presidential nominee, much out of fear from their base. And they're seeing what their right. base is doing to Mitt Romney. Mm. Hey, Hey, let me yeah. say this. Yeah, let me say this. I, I think it's sad. <laughs> We're in this very, very sad transitional space with our politics right now, because eventually, yeah. man. I mean, it's, we we talked about this a few show ago where it's tribalism, where the Republicans are going to stick whatever talking points they're going to stick to what they know. Democrats are doing the same, but it's a disservice to the American people or the people of this nation. Right that they're conducting themselves in this manner, and they can't even speak out against the wrong that they see. This man said, I can walk Mm -hmm. in the middle of Times Square, shoot somebody, shoot somebody, and get away with it. Get away with it. From what I'm seeing now, that possibly can happen. It's parted before the country. So it's it's, it's It's a disservice. It's parted before the country. That's how they act. Yeah. I mean, we 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 jumped the gun. We jumped the gun. I'm going to put a portion of this on people who clamored after the call came after the call came to light about Ukraine. We jumped the gun. I'm not the biggest fan of Nancy Pelosi. I'm really not. However, what Nancy Pelosi was trying to do was make sure that when they put those articles of impeachment in, it was going to be Close enough to the March primary 
to where Republicans would not have to fear the base if they voted to impeach and remove Donald Trump. Today is February 9th. If we would have waited one month, just one month later, it would have been March 10th, which would have been the primary in most states. And most of those senators would have had their nomination locked in and they would have been fined for the rest of the term because their base is not going to vote for a Democrat. But if they voted to remove Donald Trump with a little bit of time for their primary challengers to use that against them, almost all of them would have been voted out. We jumped the gun on it and we paid for it because now he looks like Superman to his base. All I'm saying is Nick, we have got to be strategic when it comes to things like this because I think we empower him more than anything. Nick, Nick what, what if we take this angle at it? What, you, you're a big wrestling fan, right? And you understand mm-hmm. the heroes and the heels and uh, behind the scene, they're all good friends. We mm-hmm. know this about our politicians. What if this was all a ploy Absolutely. to make sure that he gets reelected? Well, that is that is also a possibility because, I mean, again, one of the reasons I'm not such a big fan of Nancy Pelosi is Nancy Pelosi's famous claim to fame is that she's been one of the biggest fundraisers in, uh, in the Democratic Party in years. And out of her own mouth, Nancy Pelosi has said that Donald Trump has been good for Democratic fundraisers. With all the nonprofits I've worked with, I've seen that firsthand. People have been handing over money, hand over fist, to mobilize any type of way. Of getting Donald Trump out of office So yeah Yeah I mean I think if they look if any, any sound strategist Worth their political science degree Would look at this yeah. and say The crop of candidates that we have right now Are not strong enough to defeat Donald Trump The only one that I could see at this point That could possibly come close clearly Because he could outspend him Is Michael Bloomberg And I don't think anybody wants another billionaire's president mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's a situation where they're like, look, we don't have anybody strong. Let's just try to cash cow this thing out. <laughs> and then we'll spend the next four years. And meanwhile, the American people are going to suffer. Are suffering. Yep. Well, the, really, the next four years will equate to the next 10 to 12 years because some of the things he's already put in place will outlast his presidency. And also, it's probably going to outlast us. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred and, what, 174 federal judges, lifetime appointees. Yep. Yep. Insane right-wing conservatives that are in their early to mid-30s. This is going to impact things when our children have grandchildren. Right. So the next time somebody gets shot in the street... And the Court of Appeals says we're not going to take it and We're not going to uh, take this appeal And they take it all the way up to the Supreme Court It's not even going to get to the Supreme Court Once it gets to those yep. federal judges They're going to be like, oh, That's Black it. Lives Matter Case dismissed yep. I think we're living in some bad times Young but... people hmm. This is why I keep telling young people A tweet does not change policy Voting does hmm. Yep Andrew Yang wants to put a limit on the federal judge. I agree. Yeah, Andrew Yang wants to put a limit on the attorney for federal judge. But going back to Jen's point earlier, that's one of the things that we should have addressed with President Obama. Because the reality is this. When you had the House and the Senate, you could have not only put through whatever Supreme Court nominee you wanted, you could have also put through all of those federal judges, so there wouldn't be any room for yep. Trump to come in and do what he's done. Right. So, mm. well, just my take. Man. That's what's up, man. Um, Al, I mean, we we have a few minutes left in this show right here. I think we need to go ahead and switch yeah. over to some more corrupt people. Um, I wouldn't say yeah. that all politicians are corrupt. Uh, this is just a scenario and a situation. Um, that we have to deal with and, you know, bring it to the front for our people to be informed and understand. 
Go ahead, Jen. I know you got a comment. I see. Oh, no. No, I was just going to just kind of piggyback off. I totally agree with what you guys said. I wanted to bring up a, a subject that I think Nick touched on is just that strategist. Like, uh, um, Trump, he doesn't care if he gets the, the popular vote. He has some very good strategists on his team. He won with the Electoral College. One thing that we have to do as a people is we have to advocate for term limits on our Congress and mm-hmm. our Senate. And we have to advocate to get rid of the Electoral College. It's a concept that, you know, is hundreds of years old. And it doesn't work anymore, and it's hurting us. And right. we need to ask our elected officials to pass a bill to vote it down. You know, it's going to be hard. It's just real hard in the South for them to even really look at that and say, "Yeah, let's go ahead and take mm-hmm. this out," because they know that because the, South the popular vote the electoral will. Again. The South is who advocated for the electoral college in the first place. Anyway, right, and we're, we're not, we're not, I, I, we're not going to just command. be dismissive of it. So they, they're going to continue to keep it. We're going to continue to have to fight for this. But I mean, at the end of the day, they know right now they're trying to put themselves in a position to win elections after election after election because number one, they fear what the future holds, and y'all know what I mean. The landscape of the political the political landscape has changed and will change in the next twenty years. Period. And they're trying to leverage everything towards, hey, no matter what, we're going to win. And our ideal, the ideology, it's not even about the Republican Party. It's the ideology that they represent more so than anything. Mm-hmm. And on yeah. both sides, because guys, on both sides. That's what I was. And just, I'll say this. Yep, I, I was just I about to say that Democrats. And Republicans, yeah. the ideology is what we're fighting. Right. And, and and I'll say this, and God help me because I respect this man and I respect his legacy. But John Lewis, John Lewis has brain cancer. John Lewis has been a career, you know, politician. You know, it is time for new people to get into those seats with new ideas, fresh ideas. He comes from an era that you know is is gone away, and there are tons of other. Congress people and senators that are just like him that have been doing this for years. We need to vote these people out instead of letting them have a you know a lifetime, a career in politics. Because I think it's more simple than anything. They vote and they never pass bills. They never do anything because they want to come back and pretend to fight and and make money and and never have a resolution because there's no money in it. There's no career in it, yeah. and it they it, it has to stop. Let's be realistic. Um, even if you look at police officers that that come into the line of, of the work, the job, and they come in and they want to change the community, change the world, and do betterment of the world. But once they get in that environment, the weight of all the things that are going on before they got there is going to hit them at one time. So with that being said, when the person that takes over for John Lewis, he may or she may have the, 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 just, the, the gall to go in there, I want to change everything, correct everything that's wrong. But all of a sudden, you look, boom, the gravity hits you. Everything that John Lewis had in place and everything that he let go by and let happen, they're going to have to deal with the same thing because they're not going to let them come in and change the system that they already got set up that they're winning in. Period. True. True. Yep. Still got to keep fighting. Still got to keep fighting, man. Yeah, most definitely, definitely, most definitely. Uh, matter of fact, let's get into this Mississippi Department of Human uh, Services corruption issue that we have down in Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this clip right quick. This is embarrassing. Well, the former director of the Mississippi Department of Human Services and others, they are arrested in a multi-million dollar embezzlement scheme. State Auditor Shad White announced the arrest of John Davis and indictments today after an eight-month investigation. Former DHS employee Latimer Smith and Dr. Nancy New, owner and director of the Mississippi Community Education Center and New Learning Center, they were also indicted, as well as Zach New, Annie McGrew of MCEC, and Brett Diavis. Investigators claim that the group conspired to illegally obtain millions in public funds from the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program. 
White says the group used a variety of business entities and schemes to defraud taxpayers. The exact amount of money allegedly lost has not been determined. If convicted on all counts, the group faces hundreds of years in prison. Well, conditions. Yeah, and that was uh, Brett DiBiase, son of Ted. I was just about to say, Brett DiBiase, who, if you're wrestling fans, especially from the 80s and early Mm -hmm. 90s, who know Brett DiBiase is the son of the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. I guess it was true what Ted said. Everybody's got a price. Mm. Mm. And what's crazy (laughs) about the whole situation (laughs) is that, um, like, they were just funneling the money and wasn't doing anything with the money at all, except just doing whatever they wanted to do personally. Now, they haven't released any documentation to identify, like, what all the personal benefits in which these people have used the money for. But for Brett DiBiase, some of the money was actually used to fund him to go to a drug uh, rehabilitation center. Um, And... Even to pay for like his transportation down there, like, like it's crazy. So like, can, like the amount of money and can I bring up a right point on that? Over four million dollars. Yeah, go ahead. Can Can I bring up a point on that? And this goes to show the type of greed, the pure, unadulterated, evil greed that that was. Brent DiBiase himself was a wrestler in uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, the WWE. The WWE has a wellness policy that anyone who has wrestled for that organization, even if you just wrestled for a day, can get free drug and wellness treatment completely provided for you by the WWE. There was no reason that money from Tannis should have been funneled into his drug rehab when the WWE was more than willing and has done it for a multitude of former WWE wrestlers. For free. That's just pure, unadulterated greed. I do not believe that that money actually went into the drug rehab. I think it was guys mm-hmm. that, and I think it was spent somewhere yep. else. That I is, know that, that is exactly pure right. fact right. that he could get well, that same and then my previous, top five-star um, service for free. Right. My my In my previous experience working in social services, um, I have had like previous clients that was waiting on being approved for tennis for over a year. It was so hard to get on because the waiting period was so long. And so this is what we well. get from that. <laughs> so all of our people that are listening from Mississippi, and I don't say this looking down, Al and I still live in Mississippi. I'm going to say yep. this now, especially as someone who has been on the ground working uh, in the political realm there. This is the type of things that you get when you don't vote and you don't hold people accountable. Mississippi has been under corrupt leadership for years and has not excelled. And you want us to be happy that you gave teachers a $1,000 a year raise and millions of dollars taken from DHS has gone into these people's personal accounts. Right. But we're supposed right. to be happy because you gave the teachers. That's not even $100 a month. That's mm. crazy. And also, too, like, look, look, look within your counties to see who's running because a lot of these positions are running uncontested. Uncontested. Oh, yeah. So definitely get out there well, and see if there's something that you may be interested in and running for if you have those qualifications. Mm. Uh, Let me also say this, because I know we got a caller coming in. I just want to say really quickly, because it's coming up next Saturday. Guys, in Mississippi, the Democratic Party is starting their delegate delegate nomination. Mm. So go to your local precinct, nominate yourself, nominate a friend to become a delegate of that precinct, and reshape the Democratic Party in Mississippi so that we can get not only the corrupt people out of office, but get the people within the party who are not doing anything to advance the people of Mississippi. Right. February 15th, be it wherever you vote, be there at 10 o'clock next Saturday. All right, caller 314. I see we have uh, someone who want to make a comment. 
You know, I was going to ask you, you know, I was uh, asking a question about, you had a top black Republicans voted for Trump, not support for Trump. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a Trump supporter. I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative. And I was, I supported Donald Trump okay. because of the issues he's put out there. And, he, and, he's, he, and he's living up to them. But uh, you guys are in Mississippi. Is it true that the election is like 80%? Could you say that again? I say, is it true? Ben, I think you said you was from Mississippi. And I'm over yeah, in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I've retired. Well, I'm down here. But is the abortion rate in Mississippi for black women 80%? That is not true. That is not true. That's actually propaganda that's been put out. That is not true. It's been debunked several times. That's not true at all. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to put that out there. And I'm happy you guys. Pardon me? I think we definitely appreciate your comment. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. All right. All right. Have a good one. Great show today, guys. Uh, we definitely want to thank all our callers and listeners to the Middleman Talk Show who tuned in to our show today. We definitely hit on a lot of topics um, in reference to Gail King and the Sleep Dog Controversy, uh, the, the, uh, the Convoys virus, uh, the Black Republican support for Donald Trump, and also we discussed the fear of the Republicans in reference to the vote. Um, and Lastly, we hit on the Mississippi Department of Human Services embezzlement case um, that just took place this year, uh, excuse me, this week. And so, um, wow, a lot covered today, guys. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, it's been a lot just in the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, just to let all our listeners know out there, you can always go back to uh, some of our previous show on blogtalkradio.com. And listen to some of our uh, previous shows from years ago. We have some great topics, have great topics, and uh, we will continue to make sure that we bring great topics to you guys. Uh, make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend and continue to listen to the show. Uh, this is a diverse crew of people on this show. We're from different parts of the country. So, uh, yeah, we we're, we're, we have blood in Mississippi, blood all across this mm-hmm. country. So, understand that much. So, uh, yeah, right. everywhere. Uh, hell, if I can, instead of just you know, ending the show on the regular note of our outro music, I want to play an exclusive today. And this is one of our homeboys, uh, Dirty Harry. But this is the thing about it. The song is called Chess. And some of the lyrics in here, y'all may not, there's not not a lot of cussing or nothing like that. They don't really do that. But uh, I want to make sure that you guys pay close attention to the lyrics uh, of this record. Uh, and uh, if you like it, go search him out on the internet. His name is Dirty Harry, D U R T Y H A R R Y. Dirty Harry has an RB yep. album also coming out. Yeah, he sing and rap. Um, shouts out to uh, my man and Luke, on Louis Lord. Stewart. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you can uh, find his music on LordFader.com. Lord Fader. Not like Fader. Dark Vader, but yeah. Lord Fader. I had to put some enunciation mm-hmm. on that. Uh, but uh, I want to give a shout-out also to our guy, um, Nanook, uh, Adrian Stewart, for Lewis Stewart brand. Uh, they've been big supporters of us. And uh, if you're in the music, just like we are, and still do our little thing as far as we pay attention to it, um, make sure you go check out the Southern Entertainment Awards. It's coming up pretty soon down in Biloxi, Mississippi. Shout-out to uh, uh, DJ Infamous and uh, Janeiro. I didn't say Gennario. I didn't say Gennario. I said Gennaro. Shout out to them. So much love mm-hmm. to them. And uh, go support the venue down in Biloxi coming up for all you independent artists. So uh, if it's okay with you, Al, I'm going to end it with the rest of the crew. I'm going to end the show with this record. Chess. All right, let's get it. Blog Talk Radio, The Middleman. We'll see y'all next week with a hard-hitting topic. Al, say your thing before we get up out of here. Appreciate y'all for tuning in to the Middleman Show and giving an hour out to a day. Let's get it, man.
Black. 